Good evening. My name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Radio Evolve, our weekly webcast uh, from Frankfurt about consciousness and culture today in our English edition. And I'm very happy to have uh, this week in Radio Evolve, Christopher Cook. Christopher, you are here online. Hi, Thomas. Yes, I'm online. I'm here. Looking forward to this uh, conversation with you. Christopher, uh, thank you very much to uh, join us here from Manchester. And I know you since uh, quite some time. And I remember many years ago, uh, I was in a seminar of yours, which was, I think, one of the most vivid seminars about spell dynamics. And you are, since many years, in different fields, what I would call an integral activist. Uh, you developed your own uh, coaching approach. And in the last years, you developed in a company that has the interesting name 3LM. I have to ask you what that means. Uh, also approach about, um, let's, let's call it, it's, it's related uh, to agriculture and more. So that's quite a spread of work, what you're doing. As a first question, what unites all these different approaches of your activism, of your uh, way of uh, integral activity? What is it, what is thriving this work that you are doing? Oh, that's a great question, Thomas. Thank you. The, the, the unifying thought, the unify, unifying passion, unifying volition is really what I would describe as um, developing an understanding, comprehension, and capability to apply an understanding of human emergence. So regardless of what people see me do on the surface, I'm just focused on one thing, which is really understanding how people tick. And I use the uh, understanding of uh, human stage development, human emergence as the primary lens through which I explore both self and uh, practices in as many contexts as I can uncover. So what you've seen is somebody who's been committed since it was actually the commitment was made in 1997 to demonstrate application in as many contexts as possible. Just recently, uh, you came uh, from a, a work uh, trip to Turkey where you were working with agriculture. So what you're just describing about uh, stages of the human development are uh, kind of integral consciousness. How does this relate to working with agriculture? That's a very unusual combination. I'm really uh, very interested in what this is about. Well, yes, that's true. And, and the reason that I'm focused on agriculture is that um, one of the practices that I've developed over the last 20 years is the ability to go and find the integral thinkers, uh, to go and find the natural expression of a more integral awareness. And what sparked my interest in that originally was the thought that, well, if there's any validity to these theoretical frameworks, mm -hmm. I should be able to go out into, into the world, into hot spots, trouble spots, and so on and so forth, and find the emergent integral thinkers who have already been um, applying and demonstrating application over many years. And so that's what I've done. And that brought me into contact um, in 2014 um, with the work of Alan Savory, who I believe his life's work is really one of the 
best documented expressions of what many of your listeners will understand as the second tier transition, that transition uh, through a post-conventional to a post-post-conventional awareness and perspective. This uh, shift in perspective uh, to what you call the post-post-conventional uh, perspective, which um, just also to make it accessible to a broader part of our audience, is something that is a perspective that is more than our traditional ways of seeing life, more than our way, yes. modern ways of modern ways of seeing life, but in some way also uh, going a little bit about what we call postmodernity. How does this show in uh, integral thinkers who, yeah, uh, work with uh, our food, our agriculture? Well, it shows specifically in how they um, engage the land. So let me just step back a bit. So yeah. the, 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 the work that really originally drew my attention to this and held the mirror up to myself was the work of, yes, through spiral dynamics, but it was the original work of Claire W. Graves who described this transition as a major leap for mankind, where it was not just the development of a new stage of thinking, it was the emerge, emergence literally of a new species. And a very grand statement, but it, it holds some truth in that um, in that transition, uh, everything we believe to be true uh, has to be re-examined from uh, first principles. And so that major leap for mankind is really the domain in which I've operated uh, to go and find individuals who, in their own way, were redefining what we understood about the science of working with the land and, and so on and so forth. I, I was also interested in areas of the planet, especially in what conventional would be called first world countries, where conventional practices failed to cope with the rate of change. So, for example, uh, the 30-year drought in Australia uh, really led to the collapse of conventional agriculture. Yet, out of that, key innovators, uh, both in agriculture and in the support services, came up with new ways of working in a very different way with the land. And what brings it all together from an integral frame is that the original research that Graves led that, you know, it started in the 1950s, went right the way through, uh, it goes through to pre present day because I continue that research. But if you go through to the, the 1996 when Spiral Dynamics was published, mm -hmm. what was clearly shown is that the primary um, imperative of this second tier thinking is the desire to ensure that life on this planet shall exist which means, uh, coupled with another capacity to have an enhanced process awareness, uh, the individual starts to look at ecosystem processes rather than ecosystems. It means that the individual has a new way of relating to the land, a new way of measuring progress, but also it starts to align the individual and the families specifically with the more spiritual aspects of human. So humans, human emergence, from my point of view, covers any uh, point of view you can wish for, but certainly it's a biological, uh, spiritual, psychological, cultural, and social systems dimension all, all being dealt with simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way it shows with people who come on the training, either be it farmers or others, 
is they normally say, and I'm, I'm starting to hear this more and more with farmers we're working with, is thank God I'm not going crazy. So the, the change has already happened. The more integral awareness is latent, waiting to be used. What we do is provide them with the mirror to recognize who they are becoming and to learn to fully utilize these latent capacities. When they say, uh, for, for God's sake, I, I, I'm not crazy, what are they discovering? What are they seeing? What is it that allows them to realize they are not crazy? Um, for a while, they begin to realize that the way they think is different to the media, uh, to what they're being told in the news. Uh, they might experiment, if they're farmers, they might experiment with the land because they're following their intuition and they get results that far exceed the performance in a conventional chemical-oriented way. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't talk to anybody about it because often they're caught up in policy and legislative frameworks that require them to conform to the old world when these individuals are starting to get a sense of what's possible. They see healthier anim healthy animals, healthy animals uh, and land, um, but they are really concerned about being um, classed as heretics by their peers. Mm -hmm. But we are not just talking about ecological uh, agriculture. Uh, nothing, nothing against uh, ecological agriculture. It's, it's extremely important that it's part of what you're talking about. But it seems uh, that you're talking about more. I wrote something down which uh, I found very interesting what you were saying. You made a difference which seems to be a very slight difference, but I think there's a lot in it. You made a difference between ecosystems and ecosystem processes. Yes, and, and, what is, and this is where... What is behind okay, that? Well, what's behind is, is a, let's, let's link it back to an interest of many of your listeners, which is around human stage development and integral awareness and um, the various stages that our species is, is, is passing through. And the, with each stage of development, new ways of interpreting the world emerge. So the individual might have a new stage of development which alters their perspective, which influences their perception and interpretation of that that they examine every day. And the process awareness uh, within the individual, which relates to, I suppose, let's call it the evolutionary flow, the individual starts to be able to sense, to be able to comprehend, to be able to read the patterns of process, which is very different to the traditional chemical or early stage biological interpretation. So it's a, it's a dynamic representation of the flow of nature and of all life. And the way I like to think about it is that what they're learning to do is, is observe, read and interpret locally the patterns of universe. What is that? Uh, to observe the pattern of the universe. Uh, tell me more. Well, it's, it's, it's in, interesting to describe, but um, I immediately turned to music. And uh -huh. I, I worked with, a, I ran a, um, a facilitated a conference for Mihal Pekadznic, the, the famous violinist who um, runs leadership programs using music. And I was asked to facilitate one of his events in Slovenia a number of years ago and I realized there was far more to Miha than, than uh, was visible and I took him on one side and said Miha I said what business are you really in 
and he said, I'm unpicking the codes of the universe through music. So what we're saying is that on Earth, uh, through the human expression and through the emergence of the integral um, perspective, we are able to um, inspect, gain more detailed impressions of, and then learn to articulate and express the, the core dynamics of the universe. So how does that practically show? So let me give you an example. When we're working with farmers, and we're working with farmers around the world now through our work with the Savory Institute, and we're part of the Savory Network, each farmer is taught to read the ecosystem processes. Mm -hmm. How effective is their water cycle is one process. How effective is their mineral cycle? How effective is the flow of solar energy through the plants that, that they nurture through, through mm -hmm. the photosynthesis? And the fourth process is the way in which different species interact. Now, that covers the full scale from the, from the atomic through to the, 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 the human. And when the farm is brought into contact with the soil, the surface of the soil, and they're taught to spot the attributes of these processes, it stimulates, it's a psychoactive stimulus of their integral awareness. And if there is latent integral awareness there that's ready to be utilized, you watch uh, farmers, farming couples turn from despair to dance within about 45 minutes. It's a remarkable process to watch capacities that are dormant within them start to become utilized. And then those capacities of reading those patterns become the basis of all decisions that they take economically, socially, and ecologically. Excuse me, we have to slow down here. Uh, uh, really have to tell me what makes them from being desperate to dance in 45 minutes? Uh, from desperate to dance is because they can see a way forward that they couldn't see before. They are learning to celebrate innate capacities that conventional education and conventional uh, social engagement does not legitimize nor stimulate. I think uh, here we're getting to a very interesting point because what are we talking when we're talking about uh, traditional conventional education? We are talking about modernist, uh, a scientific, materialist, scientific understanding of how nature works, how processes works. But you are saying there are different capacities to understand that, that are as important and that from an integral informed perspective need to be part of our perception in order to have a holistic understanding in this case uh, how the land works how the crop works how the animal uh, uh, can grow uh, yes so so you're saying things that we usually disregard as quote unquote being non not scientific are coming back into the equation not in a neglection of science, but in an integral approach that all this kind of perceptions, and maybe that's uh, what they find, oh my God, I'm not crazy, because I guess all these people, they live with the land. If they have, if they have open senses, they are aware of so much more than is written in agriculture books. And, yes. and this part of wisdom uh, is now again, allowed to be part how they treat their soil. Yes, so it, it goes back to the age-old maxim, which is it not what, it's not what you do, it's who you are that, makes, that is the difference that makes the difference. Okay. So um, 
this is why that from 2014, as part of many ventures that I've followed, as I've gone out and find, uh, found the practices that stimulate more holistic awareness. The work in agriculture uh, and the work of Alan Saver has been most profound because it's the only management framework that has been demonstrated to be applicable from uh, the illiterate, the, the set of Bushmen, right the way through to a first world context. Okay. But obviously, we're not saying everybody is ready. But our argument is that if we put out the correct invitation and the correct attractor field, not only through the, the marketing and the promotion, but who we are when we speak and when we present ourselves, mm -hmm. it attracts those who have been waiting for the moment to step forward into that more holistic stance. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think the work of Alan Savory and many others who I could highlight it, it is really significant. There is much more second tier thinking out there than most people recognize. You know, if we hold true to the statistics from the research, it could be between three to 5%. That's many millions of people that are out there uh, in their own way, learning how to utilize this most latest of all mutations in human consciousness. And certainly, I'm seeing a move towards critical mass. And the results, say in agriculture, far exceed conventional agriculture. And that's how I believe um, you will observe and find these emergent second-tier thinkers. They are virtually invisible, so they're not easy to find. Mm -hmm. But when they do do things, especially in, a, uh, nat in the natural world, their results completely outperform the present paradigm. Interesting. In the conversations that we had uh, ahead of this uh, interview here, and also when I read your articles online, there's a term that you emphasize that seems to be important to you that in uh, integral context is a rather unusual term. You talk uh, less about integral thinking, you talk about integral awareness. Yes. There seems to be something in it that you try to emphasize that um, I think is also connected to all these people that are out there in the field and are kind of what you call invisible sec second tier people. That's just a guess of mine. But let me ask you, integral awareness, of, of what is that? Well, um, I'll answer it from a theoretical stance in that um, the... In the transition, I'm going to use, let's use the spell that I'm, it's color coding because most people are familiar with that. But in the transition from green to yellow to turquoise. The, uh, the... Let's, because I think um, many people are maybe not familiar with that. Okay, uh, right. Uh, maybe let, let's talk just simple terms like uh, modern culture, postmodern culture. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I think that's more uh, just because I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure many people understand what you're saying, but I really want to make it accessible also for the people who don't. Okay. So, so where I'm going to go in, in the bulk of my conversation is really post-post-modern mm -hmm. culture, which is, which is emergent. And uh, in that transition, the awareness of the individual can process much more information than the post-conventional and exponentially more information than the conventional. So each being, and, the, and the, the, metaphor, the metaphor or simile I use at the moment, and, it, and this has taken, this has is, this is only emerged in the last two years of my work, but if you imagine that each of us is more unique 
than our fingerprint. Each of us is a unique representation of universe in the biological form. Mm -hmm. And the way I think about it in the domain of conversations on quantum theory and so on and so forth is that as I sit here having this conversation with you, I'm a standing wave in universe. Now, it sounds strange to say that. But what I'm saying is that my unique expression is drawing in information from as broad a bandwidth as my capacities will allow. And the way that a, a conventional, post-conventional and post-post-conventional, their bandwidth and ability to draw in information is very different. Mm -hmm. So in a, in a conventional sense, it tends to be very deterministic. It takes the evidence and offers a very, uh, a very reductionist perspective of reality. The, the post-conventional brings in the more humanistic. What does it feel like? What's important? What are the, the conversations around values? Whereas the post-conventional individual, and this is where the farmer's experience is important, that individual is drawing in information from all the capacities of all the earlier stages and beyond. And Claire Graves labeled this as a very impressionistic stage. And uh, the way I also describe it is the being or the, the being becomes a cosmic ear so they can process information uh, in a very broad sense. But then their expression is very different. How they make decisions is very different. So to make decisions as a farmer, testing all of your decisions, social, economic and ecological mm -hmm. against those four ecosystem processes is both a recognition of the significance of that capacity to uh, utilize that impression, but it also creates an expansion of their own awareness. And this is why I'm using a term that Ken Wilber, uh, I think, first coined around, it's a psychoactive stimulus. The more you work with something that is innately uh, stimulating to the more integral awareness, the more it expands that awareness. Mm -hmm. If you lock yourself away with tools and methods from a conventional approach, it tends to close down that integral awareness. And this, I think, is one of our major challenges And uh, in that unless we as practitioners and um, whether we call it spiritual or uh, integral, we now have the capacity to choose to create our own life conditions that keep us in upstretch um, on this path path of human emergence which means we're free of the problems of the past but we can engage the problems of today whilst anticipating um, the challenges of tomorrow so it's a, a much more proactive volitional uh, engaging optimistic um, much higher flexibility uh, greater requisite variety would be other language to use it so it's a very different space it can appear threatening to a conventional worldview because the individual has far more solutions. But this is the challenge. And in terms of application in farming, we're working with the up to 10% of farmers that have been waiting for this moment. And we have to help them deal with the authorities, with the policymakers, with mm -hmm. their peers, because uh, sometimes it can appear too different. But what cannot be denied is the results that they get that becomes the attractor for others. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm using agriculture as one example, but I've experienced it in many other sectors as well. Mm -hmm. you, you were quoting uh, Claire Graves that this is a more impressionistic stage. 
and you were yes. using some, uh, an expression where you called it a cosmic ear. Yes. Uh, there, there seemed to be a capacity that uh, is, in fact, very threatening to a modernist uh, rational mind because uh, all this... Uh, impressionistic things or, or uh, something like a cosmic ear sounds rather not uh, graspable by our rationality. Uh, but is it that this scale of solutions that you say, there is a whole new scale of solutions that arises with this consciousness, that is because you're not dropping all your rational capacities, but you're opening up to different Uh, layers of consciousness that are uh, not directly in the linear rational thinking, but yes. are accessible and also combinable with our rationality. Yes, and, and obviously um, rationality stays dependent. So what we're saying is that as a species, we are developing the capacity to choose to step through what I call this, this second tier membrane And it means that we have to use, be very careful of the language we use and the methods we use. And, and the hard challenge, I think, in, in this, Thomas, which is what I've learned over the last, uh, since 97, is that there are few tools and methods that can support this transition. Mm -hmm. If you bring in tools and methods that were established in the conventional and post-conventional era, they may or may not support that journey. And, and it often leads to um, an arrested state or a complete secession of the very thing the individual is looking for. So new tools and, and, and methods are really critical. I, I think the other thing as well is that I, I've often struggled with the definition of science, and Howard Bloom, I think, offers a wonderful definition in, in that it's to examine uh, what is on the, in front of your eyes uh, to seek the truth as if your life depended upon it. And what I'm finding is that that first principle of science holds true. And if you hold true to that, it underpins really good conventional, post-conventional and post-conventional -post science. The big difference, though, in the post-post-conventional shift is it's seeking the truth uh, as if all life depended on it. So it shifts the perspective to what many that I'm observing would describe as a, a perspective, the stance, um, the perspective is really of universe as it manifests on this planet. So there's plenty of space here for all interests to come play. And one of the, one of the exciting things for me is that we've had to develop new methods and new practices to enable individuals to get a, a taste um, a taste of the new, the one taste. And once they've tasted that capacity within them that's dormant and waiting to be utilized, there is no way back. They, they change forever in that moment. And that, that's one of the reasons that I'm uh, inspired by this work because we don't do anything. We create the life conditions in which an, ind an individual or an organization discovers their own latent potential. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're talking about methods here, but yes. you're also uh, using, you haven't done it in this interview yet, but uh, I know it is important for you. You're, you're talking about the importance of soul in all of this. <laughs> yes. And um, let's say it this way. Uh, this seems to be quite threatening for a modernist mind 
uh, even more more than the other stuff that we are talking about because uh, soul thing sounds r rather new agey, rather kind of uh, where, where are we going here? We are, we are talking really how to develop a methodology for human development, and all of a sudden you use a term that is definitely as a term pre-scientific. It comes out of a, a mythological use of language. And you say this is something that uh, to make this leap that you're talking about is an important dimension. First, to understand you right, and if so, what do you mean? Okay, so yes, it, it, it's become really important to me because it's been the hidden conversation uh, for probably the, the first 10 years of my practice, but also it's become the explicit um, language of the last 10 years. And what I realized was that if I listened to many who um, are conversing in this field, they would often say um, all of this work around integral and so on without reference to the soul is meaningless. And that struck a chord with me because from my own perspective, there is a truth to that. And um, if I go back to ooh, probably the first text on holism, which goes back to 1926, we we're very good at coming up with um, an external perspective of um, holism, mm -hmm. uh, the dynamics of holes within holes within holes. But often then we, 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 we tend to get lost in the leap between our perception of holism and universe. And what I've always found is that the connection between the physical, the biological and universe or spirit is is soul i can find no better way of explaining it if i look through the wisdom traditions it's been there as this link between this connection between the physical form the biological form and spirit and i was in australia working on the 30-year drought and it was one of the rare opportunities that i've ever spent christmas on my own and i i was drawn uh, and i call it listen to my listening to my whispers i was drawn to go and spend time um, at Ayers Rock. I wanted to get close to the Aborigines. That was my message. Mm. And, and long story short, what I discovered is that in that indigenous culture, the soul is a significant contribution of that being into universe. Now, soul in song line would be the way that they describe it. Today, my work, and I call it uh, the core theoretical framework, is called Solomics. Uh, the organizing principle is the solon, which is the marriage of soul and holon. And the way I describe it today is that solon is the, the soul is the, uh, the, the connection to spirit, where spirit is the invitation to sing and the song that's already being sung. So I'm trying to use metaphors and similes that allow us to really engage that essence of humanness as we learn to embrace our role in universe. I mean, the language that you're using, this combination of a whole on soul in soul on, and also what you just said about to sing the song that is already sung. We are going here into territory where, um, If I try to intellectually understand what you're saying, I I won't be really able to do that. Yes. At the same I mean, time, uh, there seems to be an understanding that this dimension uh, 
in relationship to uh, whatever we do, our own development, organizational development, uh, how we work on, on the land, uh, what you're describing, for example, in this Christmas uh, in, in, in Australia, there is a certain relationship to all of this that um, the word soulful seems to be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be appropriate and seems to express something that I, uh, just because of its nature, is not accessible by the intellectual mind. But yes. it's very obvious that if we don't have this relationship to all of it, uh, including how we run our companies, uh, something uh, incredibly important is missing. Yes. And, and whilst ever that disconnection is there, um, there is a sense of longing, but also many of the decisions that have been taken in the conventional and post-conventional are actually destructive um, to the very thing that we desire. So the, many of the initiatives around the environment, uh, even though they might have a very strong apparent green component, unless they are aware of how Earth's biosphere functions from a process perspective, very often the solutions are accelerating the degradation of the biosphere. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, all of the climatic modeling ignores water. Uh-huh. Now, how is that possible? How can we be basing the investment decisions and the future of our civilization and that of Earth on models that discard the most significant, and I'm going to use the term greenhouse grass, gas, which is water? Mm-hmm. So we have to bring back in the hard reality into our, uh, our thinking and our design and while ever we miss out the fundamentals of how life works on this planet, it's inevitable that many of our decisions are at best on boring or in other cases criminally insane. So uh, it, it does require a step up. And I, w- I was very heavily influenced back in the early 2000s by the words of Joseph Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell was being mentored, and I can't remember by his mentor's name, but it was Joseph Campbell was being told, remember, uh, you cannot put into words that that lies beyond your comprehension. And if you do attempt to put it into words or construct, what you will do is you will use words and language and constructs that are from the past. So the innovation and the new gets pulled back into the past. And the third level of conversation, we would say, is that it's the social Uh, the social discourse and the the political discourse, the economic discourse, where everyone's bitching at the weather and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I I accept we're on the the leading edge of our ability to communicate, but it also means it's an invitation for us to step up and utilize communication skills between ourselves that themselves are latent. And the the, the research I, I tend to align with I think gave some really useful distinctions here uh, because a, a conventional learning style is really expectational. I, I go for best practice, I copy, and I'm expecting to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, a post-conventional would tend to be um, more observational, um, very strong feeling based. It feels right and feels good, but it's often externalized. Mm-hmm. The transition into the more integral is very, it's a pure informational, where it doesn't mean to say just cognitive information, it means the individual's autistic capabilities get switched on and they take information in, in ways that many people can't comprehend. And then late stage integral would be very much 
experiential. So Graves would call it impressionistic, um, and it later became in spiral dynamics experiential. But that really means that individual is um, sensing information from all sources before they make a decision. And it means it's a very, very different decision-making process. And the later we can define it, the better. I obviously um, have to take some risks in offering some words, but I'm also knowing that these words and metaphors and constructs help an individual um, make a transition until they can start to create their own language. So it's very much a, a creative, uh, dynamic, exploratory, transition that we're all in and and mm. you know your your questions invite that i'm i'm talking about things that i've never spoken about in this particular way in this particular time so thank you no thank you there's 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 something uh, you used to uh, the phrase sensing information yes and i find that as a term in itself very interesting because okay the way we usually understand the word information Uh, particular when we talk in a systematic context, uh, as, as we're talking right now, uh, is not something that we really connect with the word sensing. There's, there's something uh, where our understanding of information has to be transformed to something. And I, I, con I connect this to uh, what uh, Claire Graves calls impressionistic or what you uh, also explained as being experiential that information is more than our conventional and post-conventional uh, capacities really can access. And yes. this is uh, also something where the soul dimension comes in because uh, when you use uh, usual language to describe soul, uh, where you end up is psychology. But interesting, when you look into the history of psychology, you also could say that the way how psychology treats, the, it's interesting, it still has the name psyche uh, in its name, but you also could say that psychology as a scientific approach lost what soul was about. So there has to be a different form of languaging in order to access the very territory. Yes. So, so through the language and the metaphors we use, we're expanding the, the space, the psychological space uh, at this particular time to give us the opportunity to explore new and, and uh, certainly the creativity uh, that results in the ability to not necessarily problem solve because many of the, many of the issues that we're facing now are beyond a simple solution and mm -hmm. they tend to be called wicked problems. Um, but the, to be able to sense into the new, to transcend and include all that's gone before and really just follow the path that people like Einstein outlined that, you know, you can't solve today's problems using the same consciousness that created them. And, and I think that the developmental psychologies and there's many, many uh, theoreticians that have looked at this, Uh, these give us um, a map and a compass and certainly I'm a fan of Claire Graves because he brought in really the, the very earliest form of epigenetics into the conversation. It provides us with a map and a compass that we can usefully use until we no longer need it and that's the exciting thing for me Thomas is that there's a point when the theory melts away because the individual can sense and navigate based on their own inner compass 
uh, and that inner compass is 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 basically universe. So so probably you know if we scan around, um, people like Buckminster Fuller would say you know the primary currency of universe is is exchange of information. Mm-hmm. Um, in our call tonight, we're we're using the voice, we're using the mind to listen to it, but really the communication, the information exchange is across universe from the quark to the cosmos and um the way i bridge from the bridge this work into the practical is that you know our work is from the soil to the stomach to the soul um and mm-hmm. bringing in legitimately that language of the soul and watch people become excited as at last they can talk about something they innately have a sense of but they've never been uh, given themselves the opportunity or society's not given the opportunity to really engage it and discover. So it's really a, a journey of immense discovery where universe is really waiting, waiting for us to wake up. So where does this discovery come from? That leads to the question I, I really wanted to ask already in the beginning. <laughs> when you were talking about this, this hidden integral people out there in the field. Yeah. And the question that I had and that I want to ask now is, these hidden people, where does their integral consciousness, their integral awareness come from? Because I guess normally it does not come from any kind of integral theory. Yeah. I related more what you call about this inner compass. So how, how does that work from you that this integral perspective or integral awareness is describing is showing up because, uh, obviously it's not that uh, there's a cognitive, uh, uh, thing going first, just, uh, the cognitive understanding is uh, so, sounds to be something that's rather secondary to that. Yes. So, so my wife and I have a little phrase, and it's a North American Indian term, which is sayat. So uh-huh. as soon as I've said anything, it, it, it literally means the best of our present knowledge. And so what I'm going to say now is to the best of my present knowledge, mm-hmm. don't take it as true, but if it's helpful, use it. And the Sayat phrase means that as soon as I've spoken it, it's now, it's now there to be rediscovered. So the, it's a very dynamic, fast pace. The, uh, your question about where does integral consciousness come from? I, I believe that it's habituated patterns of universe speaking through us in a progressively um, expansive way. And... Um, all of our earlier stages of development and let's say over the last 120,000 years have been like opening, allowing more of these habituated patterns to emerge, but also refining and polishing and stimulating the creation of new, new habituated patterns that didn't exist before in universe. So in the, in the meta field, we're bathed and exposed to many signals or many frequencies. And it's today that those frequencies are resonating, cohering, and aligning with um, the human mind and the human biology. And it's when that resonance coherence alignment occurs with that habituated pattern of universe, that is what stimulates uh, this particular transition. It's new, it's tentative. Universe is very exploratory. It's a creative universal process. And our job now, I believe, is to cognitively grasp that opportunity and really discover what's possible. Because we know that if we don't, um, 
we we will see an, an accelerating degradation of the mm. planet and probably an end of the experiment that the universe is putting in place. Mm. So I'm just curious about what's possible uh, when we engage these patterns and these uh, dynamics of universe. Mm. And that's different. I appreciate it. But there's nothing that I'm using with you tonight that I'm not used in very practical situations, business leaders of many sectors from gold refinery through to investment and, and the metaphors and images that I use alongside this conversation of uh, the 14 billion year journey of the universe. I've helped investment managers make decisions where, uh, for example, they might have been asked to invest 50 million Australian dollars in a big agricultural product project, but when they really grasp the significance of soil uh, from a perspective of, of universe, they will often say, okay, this needs more than the 50 million. You need 75 is the one I'm thinking of. And that is unknown of in, in the field of private equity and investment because the individual at last can reconcile what their um, quizzical exploration, it, it, their quizzical exploration translates into knowing and that knowing, that deep knowing of this significant work from a universe perspective is what is the signature of that early stage integral awareness. They just know. There's still a lot of questions, but we we are also at the end of our, our time here. So you, asked have... about, you asked yeah. about 3LM. So it yes, was exactly. three, three years ago, it was land and livestock management for life. In the last six months, we've decided 3LM is, is recognized in agriculture, but we also want to bring in our work on human emergence. So 3LM mm. is 3LM. And basically it's a demonstration of um, the utilization of integral awareness in agriculture, in uh, holistically informed research and in holistically informed policymaking. So that's how it translates and that's how it's emerged. Uh, it is also uh the name of your website. Uh, so if yes. people want to go, uh, it's 3, 3lm.network. Yes, 3lm.network. Yes, and we did that deliberately. It's as open as it can be. So www.3lm.network. And uh, I really look forward to any comments. And I do hope that uh, we get a chance to talk again, Thomas. It's yeah. always a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And th thank you, everyone, for listening to this conversation. Good evening Thank here you. from Frankfurt in Germany.
Mr. Christopher, are you still there? Hi, Thomas. Yes, I'm still here. So we are offline. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you liked it too. I did, and I really appreciate. I, I really appreciated um, the very thoughtful way in which you engaged me, and I really appreciate all of your juicy questions. <laughs> Thank you. I really. Uh, I I also try to to keep it open because uh, n uh, not the whole audience that we have are really uh, into kind of uh, spell dynamics and and and, and Wilbur language, uh, but that meets also kind of uh, you your kind of understanding how you talk about integral, that maybe uh, this is also has a more intuitive side also, yeah, uh, in. Um, I would say uh, uh, also just because there, there are needs in our time to respond to the cosmos that opens up integral because it's just needed. Yes. And uh, it's not necessarily coming from a cognitive, cognitive framework first, although it's helpful to have that also, uh, but it's also important not to limit it to that. And yeah, no, uh, you're right. Yeah. I guess that's also what you were describing uh, when you were talking about this, this, this hidden cha champions of, of integral. Who, who are you working with in, in Turkey, if I may ask you? What is that? Um, it was, well, there's two, I've got two outlets in Turkey. One is with a coaching company called um, uh, Dengue Mackenzie, and it's, they are one of the agents for uh, Ericsson International out of Canada. Um, so I'm doing a lot of work with the coaching fraternity. Mm -hmm. And Ericsson is one of the largest coaching groups on the planet. And they've had um, spell dynamics in their syllabus for many years. Okay. But they've been teaching a very poor version of it. And I did a keynote in Bali for them about two years ago. And I've, I've been training all of their trainers. Uh, okay. And it's radically changed their organization because many people don't fully understand what human emergence and uh, these theoretical frameworks are about. So Dengue Mackenzie is a coaching company that's a contact to me in 2011. They operate autonomously in the network. And uh, the lady who runs it, Zane, uh, she was determined that she would influence the way that Ericsson understood uh, spiral dynamics and integral theory. So that's why she took me into Turkey and she's been a, a fan of what we do. And then uh, the second reason for being in Turkey was because one of the hubs for the agriculture is in Turkey. Mm -hmm. and um, we were there as part of the development of a, Euro a European network um, and uh, the Turkish hub was there. It was Pakistan, Turkey, Sweden, um, USA, uh, UK and uh, Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was in Turkey. All right. Good. So I, I think I should let you go. To leave the, the, the um, good news for you. Yes. It, Oh, sorry. Yes. Just, just one final thought, if I yes. may, Thomas. Yes, please. Um, I would. The one of the farmers, one of the farmers we're working with in Germany is quite remarkable, uh -huh. and she would be a really good interview to do in German. Uh, that follows on from this conversation here. She's called Vivian. Mm -hmm. um, and her husband Carl 
and I went out to Germany just a year ago um, mm -hmm. because they were desperate for some help. And they are one of the few farms in the, uh, the Moselle region, the Mosel region, that had mm -hmm. green grass while everybody had brown grass this summer. And uh, she's a veterinary surgeon, uh, so she's got a lot of credibility. Mm -hmm. and she is on fire about this work. She really is. Oh, wow. What's her family name? Um, oh gosh, they, they, they um, how, how can I find him? I, I, I'll, I'll put you in contact if you wish. Oh, okay. I'll send, I'll send. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, I'll put you in contact. And uh, her husband is called Carl, yeah. and they both have separate. They're not married, but they've they've got three wonderful children. They're, they're okay. obviously they're part of a, a new era, and mm -hmm. they chose not to get married. Um, mm -hmm. But they are remarkable in terms of what they're doing and how they're pioneering this work in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that might be of interest to some of your listeners as well. That sounds, sounds interesting, yeah. Please put me in contact. I would like to research and then the Mosul region you're saying? Yes. Okay. Um, they live in a very interesting part. They were a dairy farmer uh -huh. until about two years ago and they sold all the dairy cattle because they weren't making any money. And when they contacted us, their, their husband was very, their car was very concerned that they couldn't sustain the farm without him going to get a job. Yeah. And uh, we helped them um, quickly make new decisions that helped them become viable. So they are mm -hmm. re really creative. And um, it, it's, it's an interesting case study. Of what so what are they doing now if you're not doing cattle? Uh, they do beef. Um, okay. And... They are, um, they, they are really going to, they are really going to be a role model of what's possible in German agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's why I'm suggesting you, you speak with Divian because she would give you very topical, um, uh, spiritual. And, um, for example, um, one of the practices that holistic management offers is the development of a, like a dashboard, a grazing chart to run your farm upon which all sorts of things go but she goes to ballet um so she brings in a spiritual you know dimension to everything she's doing because uh, whether she's on the farm whether she's a veterinary surgeon training animal trainers uh, it's her ballet that's taught her about the amazing capacities of the human body um, so it's a very broad and very eclectic self self-developed practice and they're very interested now in the human emergence side of things. They, they had no language for it. So when mm. we turned up, it was the human emergence that gave them the spark. Mm. Okay. Great. So thank you. Thank you so much. Would you send me the link for yes, you, the, yes. what, the podcast? And I'll uh, ask Sheila to put it on our website. Yeah. You, Johanna, Johanna will send it to you. Yes, and if you could send me the form of words you'd like me to do to introduce and explain what you do, uh, just let us have it and we'll put it on the website. So okay. uh, I can't tell you how grateful I am. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. It was really great to talk to you. And you. Take care. Good evening. Bye-bye.